Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Anyone listening to this right now, regardless of whether or not you're a student athlete, whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, whether you're a keynote speaker, uh, you can be put into one of two categories right now that we're all on this quarantine period. You're either waiting for COVID-19 to be over or you're preparing for COVID-19 to be over. That's today's guest, Alan Stein. He's a former college basketball player. He's coached some of the world's best athletes. And now he's a motivational speaker and the author of the book, Raise Your Game, High Performance Secrets from the Best of the Best. Welcome to Dan Dickow's Quarantine Series on the Scorebook Live Today podcast. As the world, particularly the world of sports, is shut down due to the coronavirus, we're ramping things up a notch here at Scorebook Live. Every weekday, Dan interviews an expert in the world of sports, from star hoopers and coaches like Steve Kerr, Jamal Crawford, and Doug Christie, to seven-time Mr. Olympia bodybuilder Phil Heath. We hope you're entertained and maybe learn a thing or two as we navigate these uncertain times. The easiest way to tune in is by subscribing. In addition to our weekly Washington High School Sports News and Conversation podcast released Thursdays, hosted by myself, Andy Bueller, fellow reporter Todd Millis, Dan is bringing you interviews just like this one delivered five days a week. Head to wherever you get your podcast, subscribe for free, and while you're there, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Before we get to Dan's interview today, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Washington Federal. Washington Federal is a local bank and portfolio lender with more than 200 branches across eight states, more than 32,000 fee-free ATMs, 24-7 online and mobile banking with drive-up ATMs. Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live. They care deeply about high school sports and the communities that support them across the entire state of Washington. Head to WFDBank.com to learn how they can help you meet your financial goals. That's WAFDBank.com. Washington Federal, a neighbor you can count on. We hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Now, Dan Dicko. Scorebook Live Washington today, our podcast. I'm Dan Dickow, your host. Um, typically, we're once a week with our releases, but in these uncertain times, uh, we bring a conversation with an expert in the field of sports. It could be a coach, an athlete, a front office executive. We've had a couple authors. Today, we have an author who's got a tremendous background as an athlete, as a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, is currently has one of the best-selling books on Amazon called Raise Your Game. Alan Stein Jr., our paths crossed a couple of years ago. Nice to reconnect. Alan, how is life in your world these days? Life is fantastic. I mean, given, as you mentioned, these uh, uncertain and unprecedented times, uh, myself and my family, we all have our health and we're remaining optimistic and poised. So uh, certainly no complaints from me. Things are good. And it's wonderful to reconnect with you. Uh, boy, those last three years flew by pretty quick. Yeah, they were. They have absolutely flown by. You have gone from doing a lot of basketball as well as strength and conditioning training to now being a public speaker, a motivational speaker, and an author. I'm always impressed with athletes that can be successful in one 
genre or one area of interest and then they can turn their focus and their attention to something else and have a tremendous amount of success doing that and I think that you've done that where do you look back upon your experiences and realize I'm having success in these different areas because of this well the the main thread for all of them is is basketball but not just the sport of basketball uh, it was my passion for the game of basketball and I fell in love with the game at probably four or five years old, and I'm very thankful that here four decades later, basketball is still a major pillar in my life, and uh, a good portion of my time after playing was spent, as you said, as a strength and conditioning coach and as a performance coach, and that's still how I consider myself now. I still consider myself a performance coach, but instead of being in the gym uh, working with youth in high school and, and pro players and coaches, uh, I now it takes form. Uh, my performance coaching takes form as a keynote speaker. Uh, I do trainings and workshops. And while I'm not necessarily coaching people on how they can run faster and jump higher anymore, I'm still coaching them on how they can raise their game, uh, improve their performance. Uh, it's just now mostly targeted towards the corporate and the business world. But I still make sure that I do a ton uh, in the basketball space, speaking with players and speaking with coaches and speaking with parents, because I'll forever be indebted to, to that audience. Yeah, I am forever indebted to the game of basketball as well. It's brought me tremendous friends. It's brought me tremendous memories and experiences. And what I currently do uh, as a broadcaster during the college basketball season, as well as my work with Scorebook Live, keeps me close to the game. And, and there's nothing like it, in my opinion, than, than the game of basketball. You played at Elon in the mid-90s. When you were growing up, before that and then during your time at Elon, did you always know that you wanted to stay around the game when you were done? Because a lot of guys just say I'm done or a lot of guys have a passion that I want to get into coaching or I want to become a front office executive. What was your path like? Well, if we look along the continuum at the very young ages before I really understood how big the world was, you know, when I'm in elementary school, of course, my goal was to be an NBA player. Uh, as I got older and through high school and realized that the chances of that happening were probably pretty slim, uh, but I did set my sights on being a college player, you know, uh, that's where most of my focus was. And I didn't give a tremendous amount of thought into what I wanted to do after college until I got into college. And while I was in college, uh, yes, I knew for certain that I wanted to make my living uh, within a few degrees of the game of basketball, but I wasn't exactly sure in what capacity. So while I was at college, I started off as an elementary ed major and just figured I would be, you know, a teacher by day and a basketball coach by night. Uh, but as I was going through uh, my coursework there at school, I realized I wasn't near as passionate about the teaching portion as I was about the basketball portion. That's all that I wanted to do. That was all I was thinking about. That's that, that occupied all of my energy. Um, but while I was in college, I started to develop an equal affinity for the performance training and the strength and conditioning and athleticism. And, and so uh, when I graduated from Elon in 1998, I just figured I might as well take a leap of faith and try to combine my old uh, original love of basketball with this new love of performance training. And I figured being a, a private basketball performance coach was going to be the best fit for me. And uh, thankfully it, it was, and I, I did that for just over 15 years and loved every minute of it. Uh, before I decided to make the aforementioned pivot into keynote speaking. But still, to this day, I consider basketball and coaching to be the foundation of everything that I do. And, you know, I, I made a post recently during this COVID-19 while we're all home. And, and, you know, as a keynote speaker, uh, 
I, I haven't been on a stage in six weeks and I probably won't be on a stage for at least another two to three months. And it's when it really dawned on me that speaking is simply what I do. It's not who I am. At my core, I'm a, I'm a coach. At my core, I'm someone that, that wants to encourage and empower and help people improve their performance in whatever they want to improve it in. So uh, that's something that I've gotten some good clarity on now that I haven't been able to do what I do. So I guess the common thread through all of that is a passion for basketball and a love for serving people and helping them improve their performance. And it's just taken a few different shapes over the last 20, 25 years. I've had quite a few conversations with, with people that are in similar roles to, to yourselves where they have a chance to impact a lot of young student athletes, but also parents. And many times that person got to where they're at because of a coach as a young player, might be an elementary, middle school, or a high school coach. Was there one specific coach for you that kind of really impacted you in your life and, and kind of set you on this path to loving the game and wanting to serve others through the game? It wasn't one specific coach. It was a combination of every coach that I've ever played for in some way, shape, or form uh, helped mold me into who I am today. And, you know, while basketball was definitely my first passion and my, you know, my primary passion, uh, I also played every sport under the sun all the way up through high school. I mean, I, I played soccer and football and baseball and, and, and the conventional sports, but I also did unconventional stuff like skateboarding and BMX biking and, and martial arts. And, and every trainer, every instructor, every coach in some way, shape or form uh, planted a seed in me. Um, either I want to kind of do what this person does or, you know, I don't really like the way that they're doing this. If I grow up and be a coach, I'm going to do things a little bit different. And, and I think all of us should keep our eyes and ears open to be learning from everyone we come in contact with. You know, I used to tell coaches all the time that if you go watch another coach's practice, regardless of what level they're on, you should absolutely learn something because you should either learn something new you should confirm something that you're already doing, or you should see how maybe you don't want to do things or learn something that's probably not the best way to handle it. But no matter what uh, side of the coin you're looking on, all of that information is helpful. So uh, I've had so many mentors. I've had so many people that have, have helped open doors for me and support me. Um, so, you know, I really am a product of, of dozens and dozens of people that have poured into me, you know, since I was a little kid. That's awesome, because I would be the same. I, I've got a number of coaches that I can look back and say, um, these three or four coaches had a, an enormous impact on how I view the game, how, how I view the game combining personality traits to, to have a successful future. But the next question I want to ask you is, is along the lines of being a multi-sport athlete and being a performance trainer coach such as yourself, I've always felt that it's important to play multiple sports until you are old enough to know that, yeah, I'm separated in this particular sport, or I have a passion that far outweighs any other passion for this particular sport, because I think what it, it does, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, because you need to be able to learn different roles, whether you're the best player on the team or whether you're the worst player on the team, whether in the middle of the role, you need to learn how to be coached by different types of coaches. One might be a disciplinarian. One might be just a fun-loving coach that kind of, I hope, doesn't let everything slide, but kind of keeps things in perspective. As a sports performance coach who loves the game of basketball, and that's your focus, 
what do you tell parents uh, or kids that want to become specialized at maybe too, too early of an age? Oh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, 100%. Uh, I, I'm a huge advocate of, of young people playing as many sports and not even just sports, doing as many activities as possible. You know, one thing, I don't live my life with any regrets because every single thing that I've done, every decision I've made, uh, some of which were really wise decisions, some of which were really boneheaded decisions, but every single thing I've ever done in my life has added up to put me where I am right now at this moment speaking to you. And, and I'm, I'm very thankful. I have a wonderful life. So I don't regret any of the things that I've done. But when I look back, uh, part of me does wish that as a youngster, I would have had a more open mind to trying things outside of sports. You know, I had no interest in the arts. I had no interest in music. I had no interest in anything except for sports. And now that I'm a father and, and I have a 10-year-old twin sons and an eight-year-old daughter, uh, I encourage them to try as many things as possible, but not just sports. I mean, uh, my ex-wife and I, I'm, I'm very amicably divorced. Uh, we've signed them up for art classes. We've signed them up to take a chess class. Uh, we've signed them up for just a, a variety of different things because I just want them to get those experiences in. But as you said so perfectly, uh, it's great to try a lot of things for those reasons. One, you'll alleviate uh, mental and emotional burnout by trying different things. You'll alleviate a lot of physical burnout from only doing the same repetitive motions over and over. Uh, as you said, where you might be the best player on the basketball team, you might be the, the, the least accomplished player on the baseball team, and it's good for you to have both perspectives uh, and, and have different roles. Uh, it is great to be coached by different people, um, and the, the skill set of being humble and open to coaching is one that needs to be practiced. So I think it's great to try a lot of different things. I think it's great to do a blend of team sports, uh, like we've mentioned, but I think it's great to do the more conventional uh, individual sports, like tennis and golf or swimming or wrestling, you know, because it's a different mindset when it's 100% everything is relying on yourself versus how important it is to be a great teammate when you're a part of something bigger than yourself. So for those reasons, I think, uh, youngsters should be doing that stuff for as long as they can. And there is no definite finish line, but I think you teed it up perfectly. Once they're at an age that they know that that one sport or activity is clearly their favorite and they're at an age where they can tell that this is their best chance to maybe play that sport or activity at another level. So for most high school kids being able to say, this is the sport that I could play in college. Um, but you know, I really don't see any point in specializing before maybe 10th or 11th grade, um, because it doesn't detract you from being really good in your main sport just because you do other things. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought you summarized that absolutely brilliantly. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, you know, to become really good at anything, whether it's athletics or such as what you're doing now, public speaking, you've got to practice at it. During these times, Kids can't get into a gym and work out. NBA guys can't even get into a gym and work out. You being a public speaker, you, I can only imagine you get better and more comfortable each time you speak. How do you stay at the peak of your craft during these times? Well, the first thing is I remind myself of a very important mantra that I live by all of the time, but it becomes even more important during this current um, pandemic where we're all socially distancing. And that is I aim to do the best I can with what I have where I am. That's it. I want to do the best I can with what I have where I am. Uh, I've worked really hard in my life over the last few years to not make excuses, 
to not blame anyone or anything, and to not complain. And that is a trilogy for anyone listening right now. It doesn't matter if you're a player, a coach, a parent, if you're in the sports world or in the business world. If you can come close to eliminating, blaming others, complaining about stuff, and making excuses, it's like having a weight vest lifted off of you. You'll become lighter, your performance will go up, and I promise you, your happiness and fulfillment will, will go through the roof. And that's what uh, is basically called extreme ownership. I know Jocko Willink, the, the fav, um, famous ex-Marine, has a book called Extreme Ownership, and that's what it is. You know, you don't control the vast majority of things that happen in the world, but you absolutely control your response to them. And that's how I view right now. Yes, there are players right now that don't have access to, uh, let's say, basketball players that don't have access to a, a hoop. Okay, well, there are other areas that you can still improve yourself that don't require a hoop. You know, do you have a ball? And if you have a ball, can you work on your ball handling in your front yard or in your basement? If you don't even have a ball, uh, can you study film on YouTube? You know, find players uh, at the college and pro level that play your position and watch some videos on them uh, to try and improve that way. You know, can you still work on your own, uh, your fitness level? You know, can you do body weight exercises to make sure you're staying strong and fit? Can you make sure you're getting plenty of sleep and eating well so that you're taking care of your body to the best of your ability? So it's, it's not, it's more of shifting the focus away from the things that we can't do and putting them on the things that we can do. And perfect example is yes, as a keynote speaker, the best way you get improvement in your craft is by being in front of a live audience where you can kind of learn to read the room and see how your material works. And I'm not able to do that in that fashion right now, but believe it or not, doing calls like this helped me tremendously because they still require me to be articulate with my thoughts. They still, you know, require speaking, obviously. Um, so I've been trying to do as many of these types of calls per week as I can. So whether I'm a guest on someone's podcast or I jump in on a business's Zoom call to do a, uh, an impromptu 20 minutes to help add some inspiration to their team, I'm trying to find ways to get in reps so that when this is over, uh, I'm hoping I'll be an even better speaker than I was when it started. Uh, but if I keep focusing on the fact that I'm not going to be in front of people live, I'm not going to be on a stage, I'm not going to get to practice my keynote exactly the way I had been doing it before, then I'm, then I'm going to be dead in the water. So instead, I just choose to focus on what I can, doing the best with what I have right now. Such a great message. And I think that, that hopefully a lot of people can take that message and when things open back up and athletes can go back after their workouts and attacking those and, and public speakers like yourself can get back out and do what they love to do, hopefully more people take that approach as opposed to the opposite approach. Now, with your public speaking, I looked at your website. You've spoken to a tremendous amount of very successful companies. Is there one or two businesses for you that, that stick out and say, wow, this company wanted me to come speak to them? Well, before I answer that, I'm going to go on a slight tangent because there was one thing I want to add uh, as a footnote to what we just talked about. And, and I don't want you to think my mind is like a squirrel. I promise you I'm not dodging your question and I'll answer it. But anyone listening to this right now, regardless of whether or not you're a student athlete, whether you're a coach, whether you're a parent, whether you're a keynote speaker, uh, you can be put into one of two categories right now that we're all on this quarantine period. You're either waiting for COVID-19 to be over 
or you're preparing for COVID-19 to be over. And everything that I just listed before, things that a, a basketball player could be doing or things that I as a keynote speaker are doing is being prepared for whenever this is over. And that's one of the hardest parts at the time of this recording uh, you and I don't know when this is going to be over and we don't exactly know what over is going to look like. Um, so there, there are no clear definitive answers. So we just have to make sure each and every one of us are inching forward and getting a little bit better every single day so that whenever this, this ban is lifted and we can start to get back to some sense of normalcy, we'll be prepared and ready as opposed to just kind of being caught off guard and just waiting around. So I just wanted to add that footnote because the difference between waiting and preparing is a, a huge distinction when it comes to high performers. As far as the businesses that you mentioned, um, you know, I, I know this is going to sound corny and cliche, uh, but I've enjoyed some aspect of every group that I've had the chance to work with. Uh, yes, it's, it's definitely sexier to talk about, you know, speaking at Starbucks or Pepsi or American Express or with Penn State's football team, because those are the bigger names that everybody knows. And while I absolutely enjoyed serving those clients and working with those folks, um, you know, I could rattle off 10 businesses right now that you've most likely never heard of. And I had an equally awesome time working with them. You know, for me as a, as a keynote speaker and, and doing workshops and trainings, my goal is to customize my message as much as possible. So one of my favorite things is all of the due diligence and homework that I do in advance to prepare my, my keynote or my workshop for them. And, and I get to learn so much about their business and how it works or what some of their challenges are. And that part's a lot of fun. And that's fun doing it with a business that everyone in the world recognizes, but it's equally fun doing it with a, a really successful business um, that doesn't have the same brand fame that people haven't heard of. So uh, I guess to say I've enjoyed all of them did kind of dodge your question, but it really is true. Yeah, but they, there's so much of that, though, speaks to a competitive mindset, whether you're an NBA player and you're playing preseason game number one or you're lucky enough to play an NBA finals game seven, you prepare the same way and you give it the same amount of respect and, and competitiveness to win uh, which is something that that absolutely I, I love hearing that answer from you. Well, well, on top of that, and you're 100 percent right. I remember when I was at Damatha uh, working for Mike Jones, who I know you know, and you know, Coach Jones is one of the finest coaches I've ever met at any level in any sport. And I remember during one of the seasons, we were about a third of the way through the season, and our next opponent was going to be a team that was last place in the conference. I don't think they had won a game at that point. And then two or three games after that was going to be a game against one of our rivals, uh, Gonzaga High School, and this game was going to be on ESPN. And it was, I mean, big-time game. And Coach Jones passed out a printed schedule, and it, it already had the current wins, you know, on that point. Um, but then basically handed the kids a schedule and said, I want you to take a look at this, and I want you to tell me what's the, the biggest and most important game on this schedule right now. And, of course, when you hand that to a group of 15-, 16-, and 17-year-olds, they all said, oh, my gosh, Gonzaga on ESPN. You know, this is the biggest game. And he said, no, the most important game on the schedule is the next one. It, it doesn't matter who we're playing or what the record is. The next game on the schedule is always the most important game of our season because it's the only one uh, that we need to be focused on. And I just remember that, that it was such a, a visceral response with the kids because kids that age can easily – look past the team that hasn't won very much and easily skip ahead to a, an arch rival game on ESPN. And as most competitors will tell you, when you do that, boy, you leave yourself incredibly vulnerable 
uh, to being upset or to losing to one of those games. So this mindset of the next one is always the most important is something I've taken with me into speaking. You know, my next most important gig or my most important gig, excuse me, is the next one that I'm going to do always. It doesn't matter who it's for, where it is. It doesn't matter if it's 12 people in a workshop or 12,000 people on a massive stage. The next one is the most important to me. That's, that's awesome. I, I love the way you put that and kind of tied in that story uh, about DeMath, the Catholic high school back in the D.C. area. Now, I know you have trained as a strength and conditioning and performance coach. You've trained a number of players, both as really good high school players, moving towards their college career, as well as NBA players. And I know there's a, an excerpt from your book, Raise Your Game, that you touched on Kobe Bryant. Is there anything that stands out about a Kobe Bryant, or I believe you worked with Kevin Durant at, at different points in his career? What stands out about those guys as opposed to maybe some others? Well, the neat part is a very different relationship. So with Kobe, Kobe was never a client of mine, but I did uh, get hired to work the first ever Kobe Bryant Skills Academy. So Nike paid me to come in and be the performance coach uh, for an event that Kobe was kind of the headliner for that invited a bunch of high school and college players in. So I got a chance to meet him. I got a chance to watch one of his private workouts, got a chance to have a couple private conversations with him. Uh, so I only knew him on a very surface level. And yet he taught me one of the most impactful lessons that I've ever learned. And I'll tell you that in just a moment, a uh, little cliffhanger. Uh, then on the other hand, you know, I met Kevin Durant when he was 15 years old. Um, and, and we started to develop a relationship then and started working together very regularly. I mean, we were, we were uh, two peas in a pod for most of his high school uh, career as I was trying to help him prepare to, to go to Texas and then off to the NBA. So I got to know Kevin and his family and everybody on a much deeper level. Uh, and Kevin certainly taught me handfuls of lessons too. So uh, it's kind of neat that, you know, with Kobe, it was a, a very quick and surface uh, meeting and encounter, but it impacted me for the rest of my life. And then with Kevin Durant, it was, it was more of a year, you know, several year long relationship and we still keep in touch to this day. So it was very different, but the number one lesson I got from Kobe, and if, if anyone's interested in the, the full signature story behind this, uh, when we're done, I'll, I'll share a, a link that you can go and watch and listen to the story. Uh, but the number one thing I learned from Kobe was he said that the secret to his success was the fact that he never gets bored with the basics that the reason he's so good is because he's working relentlessly during the unseen hours to master his craft and master the fundamentals. And, and that's something I share with every group that I work with, that if you want to be good at anything, you have to work towards mastery of the fundamentals. In basketball, fundamentals is going to be your footwork and your shooting mechanics and the, the actual skills of the game. Uh, whereas if you're in another line of work, you have to really clarify what are the fundamental components of being really good at that and work on them every day. Uh, I'm a big believer um, that one of the most important skill sets for any coach, any player, any business professional is the ability to listen to actively listen and, and take in the correct information and create a connection with the person you're, you're speaking with. So I could make a very compelling argument that active listening is a fundamental skill that all leaders need to, to work on. So leaders need to work on active listening the same way a guy like Kobe Bryant works on his footwork if you want to be the most exceptional leader that you're capable of. We have a lot of coaches that, that listen to our podcast here on the West Coast those are leaders of young men and women. You've got a book that you've recently released. I touched on it earlier. It's on the bestseller list of Amazon. 
and I'm looking forward to reading it in the near future. As leaders of young men and women, if there's one, maybe two really kind of nuggets that you can leave with a coach at this time on how to guide their student athletes, what would it be because of the uncertainty? Well, the number one is you have, as a coach of young people and even as a coach of older people, uh, you have to connect first and coach second. It has to be done in that order. You have to establish a, a, a deep connection with your players so that they know that, and you can use whatever terminology you're comfortable with. I, I know words have different connotations. You know, I, I use the word love. I mean, I loved the players that I worked with. Uh, I cared about them as human beings first and as athletes second. Um, what was important to them was important to me by default. And I did everything in my power to help them get where they wanted to go. And that's really the mindset that all coaches need to have. Uh, they need to earn trust and respect. They need to earn buy-in and believe in. And you do that by showing your players how much you care about them um, through human connection. Once you do that, it actually makes the coaching part much easier. Because once you've established a level of trust and buy-in and believe in with your players, you can hold them to the very highest of standards. You can hold them to an incredibly high level of accountability. Uh, because you can only hold someone accountable to the degree of trust that you've established with them. And that's why when you hear of a coach, for example, like a Tom Izzo at Michigan State, um, who is really, really hard on his players, at least that's what most novice fans think, but he's, he's able to do that because his players know how much he cares about them. They don't mind that he screams at them or maybe curses them up and down the court a couple times because they know that he would take a bullet for them. And that's how we need to be with, with our players is show them how much we care. And that actually is one of the silver linings of these uncertain times we're in right now because even though it has to be done virtually, there's no reason that every coach on the planet can't be deepening their human connection with their players right now, whether it's with a, a virtual call like you and I are doing, whether it's sending them a daily text message, and it's nothing more than just checking to see how they're feeling. How's their family doing? How's your online schoolwork going? You know, what things are you able to work on at home? What do you miss most about being quarantined at home? And just being able to sit back and listen and, and let your players share let them vent, let them laugh, let them cry, whatever they need, but just show them that you're there for them. And, and I believe that the best coaches in the world will actually deepen connections with their players during this crazy time. And when we do get back to some sense of normalcy, they'll have an even firmer foundation and an even stronger culture. Connect first, coach later. I absolutely love that. I'm going to start using that uh, with my son's group, and I'm going to start using that when, when I do some, some little small group training here in the Spokane, Washington area. Alan, I, I really appreciate your time. If anybody uh, wants more information on, on how to get your book, or maybe it's a coach now that wants to maybe go through the whole book with their team, how can they find, uh, how can they find that information? Well, just for some background, they can just go to raiseyourgamebook.com. It's got tons of information on there. Uh, if they're just looking to pick up a copy for themselves, they can just go to Amazon. Or if they like to listen to books, they can go on Audible or iTunes. I actually did the read for the book. Uh, if any coach is interested in doing uh, or investing in their team and getting everyone on their team a signed copy, just have them email me, alan at alansteinjr.com. I can give them a 42% discount and can ship books uh, within a day or two uh, for a team set. 
Uh, I also have a, an accompanying facilitator guide and a team member workbook because I've had several coaches that actually want to use Raise Your Game as a formal book study that they do with their team, many of which are doing right now virtually. They hold a weekly Zoom call to talk about the chapter that they just read, and then there's some follow-up activities uh, so they can put it into action. And then anything else someone would need from me, you can just go to allensteinjr.com or I'm at Alan Stein Jr. on all of the major social handles. And then lastly, uh, there's a videos section at allensteinjr.com, and one of them is a storytelling reel that highlights that Kobe Bryant story that we teed up earlier. Alan, I really appreciate the time. I know you've got lots of uh, requests at this time. Um, so Scorebook Live Washington, we, we really appreciate it. Look forward to hopefully our paths crossing again at some point, and I do look forward to reading this book uh, in the near future. So thanks again. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.